Hey guys, welcome to the WellSaid Podcast. My name is Andre, and I'm a pastoral intern at Living Word Bible Church, where I'm responsible for youth and young adult ministries. I'm also a part-time student at the Southern Seminary. Every week, I'll be sitting down with my good friend Alexi, and we are going to be talking about both the beauty and the complexity of following Jesus in a post-Christian culture. Hey guys, welcome back for another week of the Well Said Podcast. It has been a a very busy summer for us, hasn't it, man? Very, very busy. Yeah, we apologize that we have missed a couple of weeks. Things are happening um, in our lives that are promising and challenging at the same time, and so we're adjusting the schedules. But as we're sitting here, even before recording, planning the fall season for this show, we got good stuff in store. So please don't think that we're backing off at all from the podcast. We are not. We're just talking about how this is a very important venue or, or, or medium uh, through which we need to develop. Um, we're excited to be here. That, uh-huh. That's a long way of just saying yep. we're excited to be here. Are you excited to be here talking very, again? Very, Coming back stronger here than in your, ever. In your amazing living room with your um, fake electric fireplace on next to us. All day. Only thing I'm missing is my coffee. Uh, but I got a bowl of Trader Joe's poke. So that I guess that works for now. Oh, good, yeah. We so, don't have coffee in this yeah. house, sorry. Yeah. No coffee you, here. Um, Only tea I and can't water. believe it. You know, you've been in Bellingham for how long now? It's been a little over a year, a year and a A little over months. a year, and you still haven't converted to to the coffee life. The, there's something wrong, you know. Um, we're going to have to follow up on that. Yeah, well, we need to do an episode on coffee. Oh, we will. Versus We definitely water. will. Yeah. <laughs> so what's new with you? What's new with me? Got a suit. You got a suit. <laughs> yep, I got a suit. So the thing is... Well, you're going to wear it. We don't even wear suits I am terrible when it comes down to dressing up. I'm just terrible. When me and my wife were dating, I would wear sweatpants. The first two and a half years of our dating, sweatpants, I wore them 90% of the time. She was ashamed. I didn't understand how bad it was. That's the thing. But then I got it. So I'm down to jeans. I'm warming up to suits. So I got a suit. Uh, it's, and it's uh, it's exciting, but it's uncomfortable. But I know it's the right thing to do. Right, it's the right thing to do for a grown up man who's expecting a child. Oh, you yeah, have to have a right. suit that that's fits right. you. That you look good in. So, got a suit. There's a really good deal going on <laughs> at Men's Warehouse. You buy one suit, you get another one for 150 dollars only. Yeah. So wow. essentially, wow. for an average suit is about 700 bucks. There, essentially, two suits for 450 each. Ooh. Really good deal. We they're not sponsoring this podcast. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, this episode is brought to you by Men's Warehouse. <laughs> the two suit for a four hundred dollars you know deal. I'll talk to them. If you got an extra four hundred bucks laying around. Yeah. What about you? What's new with you? A lot. Uh I sold a house, I bought a house, and now I'm homeless because I'm remodeling my new house. So living at my cousin's house with my family and um my cousins are really awesome people. They what's have the a really most, beautiful house. What's the most challenging part about that? Living in cousin's house you're in between you're in limbo you know you you want to have a family rhythm uh you you don't realize that you do have a weekly family rhythm your daily life flow and if you were you're in somebody else's house we're going on week three now but hopefully this week we're done and moving in so you know the the there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel but not having that flow not having the rhythm the weekly rhythms you just feel like you're in limbo all the time and it's exhausting 
That's a good one. You never, you, you don't know it exists until you lose it, right? There you go. So oh. today, what are we talking about today, Andre? What is the topic of discussion? What are we going to bring to the light? To the light, yeah, to the light of our wisdom. Um, we're follow- so following up to last time. Um, true community. We just hit on some basics there. I think it's a golden subject for us in our generation today. Um, as we're thinking about true community, though, the inevitable question that comes up with a lot of people that I was talking to after that episode is. Um, inevitably, in order to experience true community, it has to happen in the right kind of church, right? And um, when you're talking about connectedness and knowing people, loving people, building relationships, inevitably, you're talking about the church and what kind of church is it? And one of the challenges of our time today is um, the, the uh, what's the word? The epidemic of church shopping. Oh man, tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Epidemic is the word to describe it. Yes. I almost fell into it myself. Almost. I was really close. Yeah. I was hanging on and then you know what God did with me? <laughs> he took me out, not necessarily out of Egypt, but he took me out and he put me into a place where I didn't have a choice. Uh-huh. So I don't do that. There you go. Yeah, no, because we are such a we're, we're we're a very individualistic generation um we have preferences about everything because there's oh, yeah. options in everything we are we're we're taught to think that everything must cater to my preferences why because well there's so many options there's so many different kind of cheeseburgers then i'm gonna figure out exactly the kind of cheeseburger that i like and i'm gonna order that one same thing happens with church um and so we are always in the search. Our generation is, is kind of in this, in this search mode. What is the right kind of church? What are the characteristics? What is the, the magic formula? You know, how can I find the perfect church? Now, when we're hitting on this subject, though, contrary to what you may expect when we're discuss- discussing the subject, I want to give you three very basic characteristics of the right kind of church and the reality is these three characteristics can be found in a wide variety of churches instead of diving into all the different kinds of options that you can get like looking through a catalog you know what kind of smoke lights and what kind of guitar solo player you want and what kind of youth pastor hairdo you want (laughs) <laughs> at the church that you're going to visit I and what know. kind of tattoo on the senior pastor's yeah. or colors. Um You got all the options these days. Instead of diving into all those details, I think it would be more helpful to dive at the core ingredients. And now when you have these core ingredients, you can actually see that there's a wide variety of spiritual families, spiritual communities, churches that will kind of match that. But these three things i think are kind of essential like without them you're gonna slide out of proper biblical lifestyle so you're saying what i'm hearing you say is that every church is composed of pretty much two parts to it one part is the three things that you want to talk about another part is more of like culture of the church right the color of the pamphlets the music that's being played but there's a two-parter in there yeah of every church the the inevitable fact is there is not one kind of right perfect Mm -hmm. church because that's like saying there's only one kind of good family like families exist in all shapes and sizes and 
there's a, a wide variety of good families. Like it's such a subjective question, right? Yeah. But there are still key components of what it what it means to be in a good family or in a good church. So here's three things. Uh, we'll th- we'll jump through them and then we'll jump through some other uh, common characteristics that people yeah. want to find in the church, and we'll kind of compare to the list we make here. First yeah. of all, the church must be gospel centered. And when I say gospel-centered, and when I say gospel, I mean not the music genre category. I mean <laughs> the message of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. The, the redemptive mission of God, the purpose of God to send Christ into the world, to die for our sins, to give us new life and forgiveness and reconciliation in him, and then to send us out in the mission of sharing that good news. So this com- this gospel-centered component of a church relates to the mission. It it relates to the why. Why does the church exist? For what end? For what purpose? If a church is gospel-centered, that church it's like it's it's placed on a an inevitable set of train tracks that move it forward, that propel it forward. Um, it it de- determines, defines the mission of the church, and it seeps down to everything that the church does. Why do we do what we do? We do everything for the purpose of making disciples and spreading the good news to the world around us. And you know what I was thinking about it? That being gospel-centered, easy way to tell. You will see this message intertwined through everything the church does, not just in the mm-hmm. end of the sermon mm-hmm. or in the beginning. It's during the small groups, the, the prayer meetings. It's just when people hang out right. in children's ministry. You will see it seep through everything and affect everything right. because it'll always come back to it because it is the train tracks that move it forward. Right. It's the mission. It's kind of the mission statement. You know, in yeah. a big corporation, good, uh, successful company, there is a mission that, that, that permeates everything the company yeah. does. And a lot of churches don't know why they exist. They just don't. They they exist for cultural reasons. They exist for traditional reasons. They exist because they're just a social group that has always existed. You know, there's just you 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 look around and you ask yourself, why does this place exist? Why do these people gather? Is there an animating reason why? It must be gospel centered. If it's not, yes. then it's gonna be centered on um, dead end goals. Okay, so second characteristic: doctrinally rich. What do we mean by that? So. When we talk about doctrine and teaching, we're talking about the content of the faith. So if the first category asks the why question, the the doctrinal category answers or asks the what question. What do we believe? What do we exist for? Now, what this entails is that first of all, the church has a deep conviction in the centrality and supremacy of God's word. So if a church believes the Bible is the word of God and that it is inspired and inerrant and perfect and given to us for guidance in in all of the Christian life, if you believe that, which a lot of churches don't believe that, even though they think they may, they don't believe that. If you believe that the Bible is the word of God given to us, passed down through the generations, the result is you are going to mine it. You are going to mine it for gold. You know, if you believe that there is a lot of gold in that mountain, you are going to you're going to mine it 
you're going to go in there and get the gold. You're going to dig tunnels from all sides, and you're going to try to scrape every ounce of gold you can out of the mountain. And if you believe the Bible to be the word of God, if you believe that the eternal God who created the universe actually spoke in an objective manner in a book that has been written down and preserved, this is his word. If a church believes that, that church will then revolve around mining, growing, and understanding that book. And that means that teaching will be a big part of that church. Why I'm emphasizing this is because a lot of churches today, and I think a lot of us in our human nature, when we, we want to experience a deep spirituality, we want to do something right away. We want action. We want activity. We want experience. So we want to show up to a church service that's going to impact us emotionally. Um, we want uh, to be part of a church community that does things, that impacts the community, that does good deeds to the world. All that stuff is important, sure. But at the end of the day, your real spiritual life, it, it grows out of the soil of your beliefs. What do you actually believe? What do you believe about the world? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about culture? What do you believe about your personal problems, your relationships? What do you believe? And we live in a culture today where we have this, um, another epidemic, of knowledge, like actual knowledge is just lost because everything is subjective. Everything's up to your preferences, up to your feelings, up to your experiences. And so a lot of churches kind of float down the river of catering to specific activities or feelings or capturing a vibe. And they just grow super thin on what do we actually believe? Are we actually providing answers? You know? Yeah, and it, it, it is huge. For me personally, that is one of the biggest things when it comes down to a church is it has to have sound doctrine and doctrine has to be present and not just present on pa paper, but present alive in people that are in that church. Mm -hmm. That is, it is the reason why I can talk with my coworker and explain him why I disagree with him, why I believe that a certain concept that people live by, let's say, is wrong. Right. I'm not just, oh, well, I don't know. Well, I heard this or I never heard this. I actually have, I can reason with people and explain them my point of view right which which is huge and it all comes down to doctrine it's not about feeling oh i was feeling the spirit today or i right. was rejoicing no, no no it's about what you know what you understand and how can you prove it right and you know we're not saying that you know good churches are the ones that read a bunch of big theology books no the, the point here is not that you need to be super smart and be, everybody needs to become a, a super smart theologian using big words about the nature of god and and such no the point here is that um very often christianity today we, we we're so caught up with having an authentic christian experience authentic spirituality we want to be authentic and real yeah. and all that is really true but at the end of the day, authenticity flows from uh, the, the ground of your beliefs. What is the story of the world? You know, when, when you are rich in that answer, it, it flows authentically in life, you know? Yep. And, a lot, and I think a lot of young people today, a lot of our generation in the church, we struggle with a contentless Christianity. Francis Schaeffer once said this statement. He said, I'm, I'm very worried today when I hear the name Jesus because, honestly, I don't even know what it means anymore 
because Jesus, Jesus Christ, has become a contentless banner. It has become, the name Jesus Christ has become a banner that can be waved in every single camp, ideology, worldview, religion, you know, everywhere you look, everyone's a follower of Jesus. Justin Bieber is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, no, you can't just wave the flag. Jesus, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to know who was Jesus what did he do? What did he live for? At the end of the day, that is a follower of Jesus. At the end of the day, the follower of Jesus is not a person who has some sort of specific spiritual experience or wears a certain kind of clothing or sips a certain kind of coffee or reads a certain kind of, you know, leather-bound version of the Bible or whatever. I mean, whatever all these aesthetic components, Jesus was a person, is a person, who lived, died, and rose again. And if you want to be a follower of Jesus, it all flows from the content, from the richness. So a healthy church loves doctrine, loves teaching, loves to mine the word of God for the gold of truth. So we're kind of getting caught up on that one. Gospel-centered, doctrinally rich. And third component is, and I think this is um, hopefully against a lot of our expectations, a healthy church, a good, the right kind of church is is a church that does not let you stay comfortable. A lot of us are looking for a place that we are comfortable, a place that we belong, a place that um, makes us feel right. Uh, When you talk about the right kind of church that experiences true community, when when you talk about the family of God driven by the gospel, the family of God who is in love with God's truth, always seeking to know God's truth and be transformed by God's truth, you're also gonna realize that this is not a place where people come and chill and hang out and be what they are, um, just come what may. You start to realize that the church, to have a comfortable church, it's like saying to have a comfortable hospital. You know, like when you have a good hospital, a good hospital is the one that has all the, the good medical technology and all the medicine, but it's not necessarily a place you're going to be comfortable. It's a place where people experience healing. So the healing component is beautiful and wonderful, but there's a lot of suffering and pain that happens too. And, and the church is God's place on earth. You know, the church is the people of God, you know. I was listening to an amazing song by Josh Gerrels this week. And um, gosh, I don't, know, I don't remember what it's called. I think it's called Christ Has No Body Now But Yours. But that's the line. Christ has no body now but yours. So you are the hands and feet of the Savior in the world, the church. Now, Think about what that means. Like, where did Jesus' hands and feet go? You know, uh, lepers and blind people and diseased people and yeah. demon possessed people. It doesn't sound very comfortable. Dusty roads. It is not a comfortable place. It's not supposed to be comfortable. Um, beautiful work, beautiful spiritual work is hard work. You know, so that fulfillment that we seek, that community that we want to experience it comes at a place where we belong sure we belong but we are not comfortable because the deeper your love for people next to you the deeper they will rub your selfish tendencies uh and challenge you and poke you and prod you to grow up in 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 um in christ yeah so it's not a comfortable place it's a place where you're going to be pushed challenged outside of your comfort bubble to serve Christ, to serve others, and to let others serve you. You know what I think also is interesting is that 
this third point that you're bringing up, it, it flows out of the point number one, number two, because once you have the sound, the once you're rooted in gospel, mm-hmm. you have sound doctrine, then mm-hmm. comf- that uncomfort will come automatically. Mm-hmm. It's like an effect of it, where you're going to hear the gospel, Holy Spirit will talk, will work with you, and you will feel uncomfortable understanding that, mm-hmm. hey, there's a lot of changes that need to take place. Mm-hmm. Hey, he's going to call you to do all of these things, and you will notice that you're not comfortable doing them. Right. It's, it's like this effect of what, what is happening when the church is rooted in the gospel and has the sound doctrine. Right, right. There's a great book uh, by a guy named Brett McCracken. Brett McCracken. It's called Uncomfortable. And it's about this very idea that uh, you actually try to, try to find a church where you're going to be uncomfortable. Um, a church that's going to challenge you in your personal life and challenge you to break out of your little nest and serve people. Serve people that are hard to serve. But real quick, why does it have to be uncomfortable? Why can't it be comfortable? Why can't I be happy serving? Why am I going to be uncomfortable? Well, you you can be happy serving. You can be happy and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, if you are very comfortable in your spiritual community, in your spiritual family, if you're very comfortable, it probably means you are not being challenged. You are not being challenged and you are not changing in your personal life. And if you're not being challenged, it probably means that the people who are very close to you in your church, they are not exposing your sin. And that's a big red flag because all of us are sinners. If somebody says that he doesn't have sin, he's a liar and does not know the truth. That's what First John chapter 1 says. So if we are all sinners, if we are all in need of growth spiritually, and if we are all called to live a life of true community and love and unity with people, with God's people, it means that in love we will speak truth in love. It means that we will be wounding each other in a sense. We will be cutting, we'll be prodding each other in love, pushing each other out of our sinful tendencies. So what you're saying is, let's say, I was a person who went to church for the last five years, baptized, coming to worship God, but I have not been challenged in my last five years. No one has exposed my sin. It was always me and the Lord and my reading whenever I did it. That is not an accurate picture of a Christian that is constantly growing and is being challenged. Right, right. Okay. I think it was uh, who was it? I think it was Ed Welch who says that. Oh gosh, I'm going to butcher this. He said something like, um, "I thought that spiritual growth would feel like victory, but actually, spiritual growth feels like pain and defeat a lot." And it's like really insightful because it's true. Yeah, it's true because sin has permeated every piece of our life. If you're growing spiritually, it means you're weeding the garden. It means God is pulling up the weeds, challenging you, exposing you, humbling you, and that's not going to be comfortable. And the most beautiful thing is when you are in a community of people who can speak truth to you in uncomfortable situations and a community where you will be speaking truth to people in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Community that will speak truth to you, not the type of truth of let's excommunicate you, but hey, this is something, let's pay attention to this or let's work on this. Right. You know, it's a, those are very different <laughs> right. words right. and approaches. But you know what? This is a very good ending to our first part of the first part of the sound church. The second part is uh, we have ready some of the classic, I guess, questions that an average person, maybe mostly a young adult, will, I guess, um, 
look at and try to answer when they're going church shopping or maybe right. evaluating their own church, whether it's worth going to or not. Maybe it's time to move on to something mm-hmm. else, right? So I'm going to throw I'm going to throw some things at you and just give me your gut responses and but take a side. Is it valid concern or is it not valid concern? Right. All right. But and just and if it's not valid, break it down. Mm-hmm. Break it down. Let's be ruthless here. All right, let's start with the first one. Uh, the music style does not fit me. It's let's say too many hymns. I want worship. I want. Right. I I gotta, I gotta be uplifted. I gotta raise my hands. Mm-hmm. Both. Yeah, I think so. Even before diving into all these other ones, like this is one of the, the problem with having very specific parameters of what kind of church you want, is, those parameters aren't present in the Bible. So the the Apostle Paul doesn't say, find a church that has your specific music style. He just doesn't. When you're looking for a church to join, if say you are in between churches, um, you're not necessarily going to find one that personally fits all of your little tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have to seek God's guidance, and you have to employ biblical categories. You know, When you use a lot of very subjective categories, you can just get confused and lost because a lot of our own preferences, they're conflicting with each other. You know, you, okay, finally, I finally found a church that has great music, but the pastor has a weird hairdo. So I'm going to go to the (laughs) next one. So I need the perfect combination of all the characteristics that I want. Like you're just going to be lost. Mm -hmm. You know, lots of times you need a church that has the basic components where you can trust and you can be shaped and formed, you know, but at the end, at the other side of things, you know, musical style, you know, you can't discount. I mean, if there's, if the church is all people 50 and above and there's no place for you and they <laughs> sing songs that you've never heard, you know, that's, it's a valid point. It's a whole different culture. So I guess that I'm not being, I'm not being ruthless that like you sense. said. But real quick. You can go both ways. <laughs> when it comes down to music from conservative standpoint. Can the church take things too far where you're like, I shouldn't go to that church? Is there, is there, are there any music styles out there that you would warn our listeners against, uh, or you would say all music is art and all art can be used to worship God? I can't say one music style. You can't. You, 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 can't? you can't say one music yeah. style. But here's the thing: you can say this when you have a church, a community of people who are guided by the right kind of principles. So you have a, a community that is deeply rooted in the gospel mm-hmm. mission. You have a community that is deeply shaped by doctrine and, and biblical teaching. You will find that a lot of those churches, even though they're all different, they all kind of conform to a a, a, a balanced yeah. middle ground. And that's what I've seen too. Yeah, they do conform to balanced middle ground. I've never seen, I've yet to see a church that went to crazy extreme. Yeah, if, you're, if yeah. your church is all about its music, like, oh, we're going to have the best music ever. You got you got other problems <laughs> yeah. besides music. Besides you got doctrinal music. problems. You got yeah. mission problems. All right, the next one: um, boring sermons, sermons that are let's say too doctrinal. Too doctrinal. Like for example, if you were, to, uh, let's say MacArthur. Whoa. Doctrinal. Like he is. He's, he's not. not fu- he's not fun to listen to. He's what? boring. If you loved, have you listened to much MacArthur? Yeah, you have. How <laughs> yes. much MacArthur have you listened to? Uh John MacArthur, you can't a lot of hours, Mac, a lot man. of hours. He's the, he's the... Yeah, but he's not fun. Wow. He's not fun. Let's say Rick well, Warren you... is a guy who's more on an emotional side. Right, have you listened he... to much Rick Warren? 
I've listened to both of them quite a bit. Yeah. But, okay, so the point is, when it comes down to sermons, style of the sermon, does that matter? Or is it something that you you should look at the content rather than how it's presented? Again, you can go both ways. Um, Preachers vary in their styles based on personality. Different, we have, in our church, we have like five different preachers, and every single one of them is very different. So I, I don't think you can discount a church based on, how it is, how the preaching is, but you know, if the preaching, if if the preaching is is super boring, if people are all falling asleep, then you're going back to your other categories of gospel centered and doctrinally rich. If your if your church is gospel centered and doctrinally rich, it's probably going to have a, a specific purpose to make sermons that speak to people, right? So so again, there's two sides. Yes, it could be too boring, and you, that that could be a sign that a church has mm-hmm. improper missional focus because preaching must be engaging. That it's the job of the preacher to communicate truth. Yep. So, but at the other hand, is this a, a lot of our generation does not know how to think, at a lot, a lot of our generation does not know how to listen. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're maybe you think the sermon is boring, but the problem is not that the sermon is boring. The problem is you're too dumb. And you too impatient. Or you're not interested in doctrine and the you're gospel. Not, yeah, you're not interested in the word of God. Yeah. So again, you can go both ways. If you have a drop dead, everyone's falling asleep, flies buzzing church service, you got a problem with other things, right? You don't want to be there. But at the same time, a lot of us need to be challenged. We need to think harder, yeah. listen harder. Uh, the word of God is a book. It's not a music video. It's not a play. It's not an interpretive dance. It's a book. Yeah. So... Two sides. So long story short, don't blame preacher for your inability to listen. Right. All right. Another one real quick. Uh, when a young couple picks a church based on children's ministry, so it fits their kids and their kids are going to grow into young adults, so there should be youth, youth ministry, teens ministry. What do you think about that? Again, I mean, youth and children's ministry is extremely important. I would be very concerned if i was entering a huge church where there's like no focused teaching for kids because you're you know scripture te- constantly talks about bringing up the next generation in the truth but at the same time um again i think what this kind of hits at though is this mega church culture where this is perfect kid you know the, the the minivan pulls up to the church and everybody goes their separate ways yeah <laughs> and, and that's not what the church is supposed to be that segregated, segmented, programmatic, driven, um, it's not what it's supposed to be. The people of God gather to worship God. And um, that's the center. That's the that's the gravita- gravitating center, you know? Yeah. What I would add to it is uh, when you're thinking like this, maybe you should consider starting the children's ministry in that church that's missing it. Right. And got kids. So you got to look at it not just as a consumer when you're looking at the church, but also someone who can contribute to it as well. Yeah. Uh, another another one uh, real fast, which is it's more prone in Slavic churches, clothing, and how you're received because of your clothing. Mm-hmm. I have re- I've been received differently depending on how I clothe myself when i go to russian church yeah if i show up in the suit i'm a relatively bright guy when i enter a room if i show up in jeans and like a polo mm. no one ever notices me mm. so when it comes down to these things and clothing and if you're not feeling comfortable in the church is that a reason to leave in a way specifically on clothing yeah 
and it involves women as well, just as well as man. Yeah. yeah. I think, again, there's two sides. Culturally, there's there's norms. You know, we all have our mm-hmm. cultural norms. Like if you're staying in the boundaries of basic, decent attire, right? But at the same time, if your church is discriminating and shunning people based on what they wear, they got a major missional problem. Yeah. Like, how in the heck are you going to ever have anybody come into the church who's never been to the church? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, they we, will look like an outlier. Yeah, they sh- yeah outsiders not. should be welcome to hear the gospel. And if you're eyeing them for the... Yeah, Having absurd. a special and, and dress code. And we've seen that. And yeah. we're not knocking necessarily the more traditional churches here, but it's to me, it raises a question of like... How can someone fit in unless they will conform to how you're dressing? Right. If the average person can't walk into your church and feel generally welcome, yeah. simply with a decent, you know, pair of pants and shirt, whatever, like basic, there's something wrong. This is not a cult. This yeah. is there's no there's no um, uniform here. You know, the point is to worship Christ, not to look a certain way. Exactly. You know what? We had a really good episode. We discussed. What should be at the foundation of a church? And we also discussed the second part of it, the cultural side. of w- w- Because we really are facing these questions of the music, the preachers. I've heard it many times. Well, we don't like the preacher. He's boring. And how do you reconcile that? Well, and I think here's the thing. When you look at all these factors, you start to realize that there's a huge variety of good kind. There, there's a lot of different kinds of good churches. So and we said this earlier. But when you're on the search for a place where you can grow in spiritual community, you should not let your first initial aesthetic impressions be the dominating uh, decision point, right? Yeah. You have to realize that the good stuff is at the heart, and you got to dig a little to get to what does this church believe, actually? You know, what do they believe about the gospel? What do they believe about the Bible? What do they believe about the content of Christianity? And what do they believe about Christian relationships? What do they believe about discipleship? When you dig down and see what do they believe, then you start to see how it all kind of flows out in their specific cultural preferences, right? So you cannot, it's absurd to walk into a church on Sunday morning and to evaluate it based on what you see in the first 30 minutes. Um, because most of the stuff is going to be superficial characteristics, cultural characteristics, social dynamics, and that's all important, but that doesn't actually get at the heart of things, you know? And I think a lot of our, our generation goes by that initial vibe, you know, but that's not, that's not how you ever, that's why we're all so lost. You know, we're looking for the vibe and not realizing that it flows out of a connection that's on a deeper level. You know what? Christ actually slightly touched on it. That he talked about the love that they will have between one another. Mm-hmm. The church is not a preacher, a choir, a worship, or a building. It's the relationships that are within the church community between people. It's the small group. It's when they go hang out to the park. It's when someone has a need. Those things define the church, really. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, at first, yes, you should look at that. But at the same time, if you are a churchgoer, you should really look at your own output right what kind of church are you being a part of right is it healthy right. what is it what does it stand on right and so are we telling you today if it doesn't match these criteria that we're setting that you need to leave i would be very hesitant about leaving i'd be careful about leaving a church or or just pulling out of a church community but you have to at the end of the day you have to face 
the fact. If your church is clearly not moved by the gospel mission, you know, Matthew chapter 28, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have taught you. So that's the basic mission of the church. If your church has existed for decades, and it is obviously not about spreading the good news of Jesus and making disciples, helping other people grow as followers of Jesus, you're, you're not going to grow there as a Christian. And second of all, if your church is not in love with Scripture and the teaching of the Bible, um, if your church is more excited about social programs than it is about uh, the content of God's Word, um, you're, you're going to run dry. You're going to run dry. That's not to say that social programs and and ministries in the community are not important. They are very important, but by themselves, they're 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 meaningless. Feeding the poor just for the sake of feeding the poor, it's it's not going to get them anywhere. You know what I'm saying? If you have if your church is operating on a deeper, biblically rich reality of the kingdom of God, and the, the the meaning of what it means to be the people of God. If you understand that in a rich way, it informs your service. But if you just have action and social activity and no richness of understanding, it's all going to run dry. It's all going to lose significance. Yeah. All right. So as we're wrapping up our episode for today, what is your recommend? My recommend, Brett McCracken, Uncomfortable, and also Trader Joe's, um, poke. Those little, you know, the, those little things that they have at Trader Joe's. There's a whole little section yeah. of little to go, go to to go. Uh, it's good stuff. It's actually pretty good today. First time, it's like three to five bucks. It's cheap, on the go. Got myself a little spring roll. Got a little poke bowl. It's like three dollars, five dollars, like cheap stuff. And it's tasty. Yeah, my recommend is Fourth <laughs> of July is coming along. Shopping. The sales are amazing. If you need clothes, this Aren't is the time like to buy budget? clothes. <laughs> I am on the budget, but when I walked into the mall, I saw the prices. Okay, that's hilarious. They that's were the best sentence right there. in half. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm on the budget, but when I walked into the mall, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I saw it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This is the time. The yeah. time is not to go after Fourth of July. Today, while while the the doors of salvation are open, <laughs> run to the mall. Yes, um, all right, speak. guys. Thank you for listening today. Uh, if you have been um, positively impacted by anything we've said, if you found it interesting, please let us know. Send in your thoughts. Talk to us. Communicate to us. Uh, go to well-said.org and follow the appropriate link. Uh, share these episodes with your friends and